Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. How are you, Phoebe? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, a bit tired, a bit tired. It's been a long week at work. Yeah. And this week I had my first COVID jab. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite exciting news, really. It's Very a, exciting. It's a funny sort of psychological relief almost. You mm. just sort of know that something's happened and... Uh, this year that we've been living through all of this is suddenly um, suddenly not looking so bleak. That's good. So still a long way to go because yeah. I've only had it two days ago. It doesn't even have any effect for like, what, three weeks or something, really? Yeah, I think so. And I then I have to wait for my second one, which is the end of May. So there we go. go. But that is really exciting news. It is exciting. And... Um, yeah, and mum got hers this week as well, which is exciting. So both my parents are vaccinated. <laughs> and without too much in the way of side effects, by all accounts. Yeah, touch wood. Yeah, both of you seem to be all right, which is good. Yeah, hearing varying accounts of people's experiences afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully you, you two have got off quite lightly with that one. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah. And probably better than having actual COVID. So... <laughs> I just wonder if there's any correlation between the fact that some people have a really bad reaction to the vaccination and some don't. And is that anyway related to what their reaction to actually catching COVID might have been? That's really interesting, actually. That would be really interesting to look into because mm. the people who I know who've had a bad reaction to it are people who are kind of more clinically vulnerable or okay. a lot older, especially the Oxford one. So, right. yeah, you might be right, actually. Because your body, it, like, mounts a... Um, what's that one? It, like, mounts a response defense. to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so An immune it's defense, how your body would, would react to it when you got it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how much COVID is actually in the vaccination, though, whether it's just yeah. engineered to look at... Uh, uh, who knows? It's very complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated, yeah. And but, pretty, uh, yeah. but exciting that hopefully maybe things can start going back to normal a little bit it'll be good yeah maybe we yeah. get to uh, be on the beach running around with toby and duke definitely <laughs> yes soon hopefully soon better weather better outlook yeah hopefully absolutely soon. yeah definitely i've been on a bit of a health kick this week and i feel like i've got so much more energy and so much less tired and groggy and stuff this week so that's good um yeah, I don't feel like I've kind of slumped into Friday. I feel like actually I'm like, oh, cool, it's Friday. So, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, not not all that else happened here this week, to be fair. Um, no, nothing, nothing really of note <laughs> to discuss. Just a pretty normal week. Had a ridiculous quote for a fence. Um, oh, my car's broken. But apart from that, <laughs> pretty, pretty normal week. Yeah, at least I actually got to use my car this week. That's true. Yeah, that's very good. Jab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, so there we go. Right then, shall I tell you what I've got for you tonight? Yes, please. I've been looking forward to this all week, Phoebe. So uh, good. So it was. It is actually a last minute change for what I initially promised, but uh, okay. <laughs> it's. I figured that I wanted some more time to really get into the one, and I started reading a book about it, and I want to be able to finish the book to 
kind of do it justice. Right. So I figured I'll, I'll push that on a little bit. I'll try and get that done for next time. Um, but this is an equally, well, not quite as gory and um, ridiculous story, but still quite a um, an interesting story. Tonight we are going to Germany. So uh, a new country in Europe for us to uh, discover. Where have we done so far? We've done lots in France, uh, England, obviously, uh, Poland, Germany. So we're working our way around Europe. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, the other case that I want to do is in Russia. So we can, we can tick Russia off the list as well at some point. <laughs> so anyway, so tonight I'm going to tell you the story of Gesher Gottfried. Gesher. Gesher. So it's G-E-S-C-H-E. So I think that's Gesher. Have you heard of Gesher Gottfried? I have not. Okay, there we go. That's a good start. <laughs> so Gesina Margareta Tim, known as Gesher, uh, was born on the 6th of March. Varying reports say different things, but I'm going to go with 1785 um, in Bremen in Germany to Johann and Gesher Tim. Um, it was a poor family. Her father was a tailor, but not particularly successful. He just kind of made enough money to, to get them by. And her mom joined him quite regularly to help with some sewing, to bring some extra money in. She had a twin brother, also called Johan. So uh, Johan and Gesher had Johan and Gesher. Um, very confusing. Um, confusing yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of Johans in this story who knew it was such a popular name. Um, I guess it's John, isn't it? Popular name. I guess. Um, yeah. And um, as was pretty typical in this sort of time, and I guess still now, her mother and father had a real preference for her brother. So they absolutely doted on him. They gave him lots of love, lots of attention, really wanted the best for him, whereas she was kind of just left to get on with her own devices she wasn't really given much attention um and not really showing very much love uh, and these were twins and they were twins yeah yes okay uh, 6th of march that's tabitha's birthday which was last week so that was very fine so yeah so, so it's just been her birthday as well um but not a lot is known about her childhood um we do know that she wanted to be a performer so Bremen at the time was a really thriving city and there she would have seen lots of street performers and people in taverns and things like that and she may have even been able to get to the theatre a little bit but she was really interested in joining the theatre um, and becoming a performer but obviously her family were not up for that because uh, and they were keen to just kind of marry her off and get her out of their hair as quick as possible so they did Right. They married her off to a wealthy saddler, another Johann uh, Mittenberg. Um, and this was a real change for Gesher, who was obviously now living in this relatively upper class life after this really poor upbringing and not really having very much. She was now living this quite lovely life um, thanks to the inheritance that had been left to Johann from his father who died. So, um, Johann, the husband. Johan, the husband, yes. <laughs> uh, so they uh, very soon had three children. Johanna, like Johan, Johanna, uh, Adelheid and Heinrich. Uh, so some new names here. Um, but it's not entirely clear to see when they were born. I couldn't really find any kind of dates for when they were born. But somewhere probably around kind of 18... 5, 1810 ish yeah, somewhere around probably. there. Um, so it wasn't a happy marriage. 
Johan was a drinker. Johan, the husband, was a drinker. Um, and he led a lecherous life. So frequently visiting saloons and brothels. Um, he gambled a lot of his money away and really just spending all of that money that his dad had left him. He stopped working and just spent his time in the brothels and the saloons, spending all of this inheritance money. Um, and then they started to get into a lot of debt. Um, and, you know, people were kind of coming for them for money. And the local people were gossiping about what a bad marriage they had. And, oh, this woman had this husband who was out with all these prostitutes and gambling their money away. And wasn't that an awful thing? And, you know, as people do. Um, but their unhappy marriage wasn't to last, though. Um, when in 1813, Johan was struck down by a mystery illness. Um, oh. He was plagued by awful stomach cramps, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and Gesha nursed him through this illness as best she could. But unfortunately, in the October of 1813, he died. Um, and then the same people who'd been gossiping about their marriage started saying how sad it was that he died and what a great wife she'd been to nurse him through <laughs> such an awful illness when he'd been so bad to her and he'd like put her through so much and how great it was that she... Um, was had there, stepped up, had yeah. stepped up to support him yeah. at this time. It was the start of a terrible time for Gesha, really, though, um, as not long after her husband died, two of her children, Joanna and Adelheid, um, succumbed to this mystery illness, very quickly followed by their grandparents, uh, Gesha's parents, Gesha and Johan. <laughs> um, so they all died within a few months of each other. Um, at the beginning of 1815. Really weird. Gesher nursed all of this family through this illness, much to the admiration of these neighbours. He started to refer to her as the Angel of Bremen because that she was having such an awful time. All these, these family members were dying. She was doing such a great job nursing them, but unfortunately they were all dying and what awful, awful luck she was having. Um, around this time... She's just such terrible terrible bad luck it's for awful her. awful bad luck isn't it that all of these families just start all of her family just start getting this really husband two of her children two of her and children both of her parents both of her parents yeah wow so around this time she was saved from her grief um by a guy called michael christoph gottfried where she gets her surname from Oh yeah, and she married him in 1815, and he was rich, and he doted on his new wife, and it's lucky that she found him because he was there to comfort her as her third child, Heinrich, died later on in the same year. So they lived a relatively happy marriage, and it seemed that her cloud of misfortune was behind her. Um, you know, unfortunately, she'd lost all of her children, her parents and her first husband. But she was living this, uh, you know, happy marriage with this with this new guy. Um, any, any news on her twin brother? Well, my next thing is. So whilst all this has been going on, her twin brother had been oh, off in the funny. army. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> Her twin brother had been off in the army fighting uh, the Napoleonic Wars and he arrived home in 1816 to discover that his parents had died and no one had thought to tell him. Um, oh. And in his absence, presumed death. Um, I'm not sure why they presumed he was dead. Um, all the inheritance he had set to make had gone to his sister. So she'd taken the small amount of inheritance that was there from their parents um, and, you know, added that to the bank of the other inheritance she, she, that she got from um, the husband that she'd lost as well. So she invites him round to, you know, chat to him, welcome him home from war, um, you know, catch up about the good old times. And she makes him dinner. She serves him up some shellfish. Um, 
And then unfortunately, a couple of days later, he dies of this same mystery illness. I think you can probably see what is maybe going on here. You couldn't make it up, could you? You couldn't. I mean, how unlucky can one person be? Extremely unlucky. Because the next year, in 1817, Michael, the second husband, fell ill. And even though Gesha tried her hardest to nurse him, like the angel that she was, he died as well. So that's two husbands, three children, two parents and her brother. So her entire family has died around her. And it's just awful. I mean, my history knowledge of 1815, 17 in Bremen isn't great, but I don't think there was any kind of you know, pandemic or epidemic going on there. So it's just really unfortunate that so many people would die who were related to her. So things got better for Gesha for a few years. Uh, Michael left her quite the inheritance, um, meaning that she could live very comfortably for um, a few years. A few um, years. <laughs> and she was happily, you know, living living her twice-widowed, childless life in her 30s, <laughs> uh, living the dream. So in 1823, uh, her neighbour, uh, Paul Zimmerman, proposed to her and she accepted it because she thought, actually, you know what, let's give it another go. Maybe this husband won't die. Um, and her husband didn't die because they never actually got a chance to get married. He died before they managed to get married. Eesh. But luckily, he had left her some money. So um, she inherited all of his money and he too was quite a wealthy gentleman. And so she was living her life, you know, being the dutiful widow, wearing black, but you know, lots of luxurious black outfits, yeah. going to the theatre, to theatre boxes, um, and just generally spending all of the money that had been left to her by all these really unfortunate people that had died. Um, so she kind of runs out of money, as happens when you haven't got an income and no one else needs money to. <laughs> so she resorts to selling off some of the houses that she has and taking out mortgages and some loans and things like that on the on the properties that she's got so that um she could fund this lifestyle that she's become quite accustomed to she's decided that you know she should be alone now though because obviously it's too much to risk to have another husband die on her so because she's so sad and she's running out of money and she's having to do all this stuff her friends start to really rally around her and support her you know as good friends will as they do. As they yeah. do. Um, but then, unfortunately, her friends all start to get struck down by this mystery illness that has plagued Gesha and followed her around for the last, you know, 10, 15 years of her life. As Gesha dutifully nurses them through their last few days, like the angel that she is, she's left uh, the money from these friends that die. They change their will on their deathbed, like you can do in the 1800s. <laughs> and she's left with all of this money from all of these friends who just sadly die. But at least she's there to nurse them through it. So Give them some support in their last moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, bless her. Bless her. She's doing such a good job. So she really enjoys hosting her friends for dinner. Um, and one night she invites some friends around and uh, they have this lovely meal. And then for pudding, she serves them up this fruit salad. I don't know what would have been in a German fruit salad in 1815, but um, that could be something to look at. <laughs> Pompelmus. I don't know. That's the only <laughs> word I can think of in German. For, Ap- it's a great fruit, I think. Apple. Uh, orange. <laughs> Pear? I don't know what pear is in German. 
I don't know, pom-pom mousse is all I got. Anyway, what was in it? Well, what what fruit was in it was quite irrelevant. But um, one of her guests, another Johan, Rump, um, gets a bit suspicious because as he's you know about to tuck into his fruit salad, he notices that these little bits of like white granules on the fruit. And he's like, what is this? So he decides not to eat it. And he actually took some of this fruit salad away with him. And he took it to his doctor and he said, my friend tried to give me this to eat last night at a party. And I found these things on it. It's a bit weird. Can you test it? Um, just, just to see what it is in case it's anything a bit funny. Um, and so the doctor dutifully took it away and tested it. And it came back that it was in fact mouse butter. So mouse butter was a combination of animal fat and arsenic. I was going to say, that wasn't a word I was expecting <laughs> to hear. <laughs> so mouse butter was a combination of animal fat and arsenic that okay. was used as rodent poison during this time. Right, okay. um, And quite commonly throughout this time. So some of the symptoms of arsenic poisoning are things like red swollen skin skin changes heart rhythm problems muscle cramps but predominantly abdominal pain nausea and vomiting and diarrhea so arsenic is a chemical element it is found naturally um, and it's used with in in metals really as um an alloy in lead it's used mm -hmm. quite a lot for um it was used in elizabethan times to whiten skin quite commonly occurring naturally but it's also a favoured method of murder especially in the middle ages and renaissance particularly in italy because the symptoms are so similar to those of cholera so people could murder people with arsenic and get away with it for quite a long time because it mimicked these uh illnesses that were just kind of occurring yep um, it often went undetected um but then by the 19th century so around this sort of time um, it actually got the nickname inheritance powder <laughs> because oh. um, impatient heirs were known to use it to, you know, accelerate their inheritances <laughs> um, and was a common murder technique in domestic violence situations. Um, so she had been poisoning her family, her friends, all the way along with no this way. mouse butter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> she wasn't unlucky. She was a murderer. Wow. Um, so the doctor quickly alerted the authorities to her crimes and they went to find her, but she had fled to Hanover. Um, and when she got there, couldn't help herself, befriended a man called Frederick Kleiner and, and murdered him as well in the same way. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the authorities did catch up with her though. And on the 6th of March... 1828 which was her 43rd birthday uh, she was sentenced to death by decapitation um, she was then publicly executed on the 21st of April 1831 that's quite a big gap really for those sort of times between no, being sentenced yeah. and um, being yeah yeah. But um, they were fascinated by what would have caused her to do this. Obviously, she was a woman, which was pretty unheard of. But the fact that she'd killed her entire family um, was quite crazy. And so they spent this time really trying to analyse her to work out why she'd done what okay. she did. 
Yeah, yeah. So she was publicly executed uh, on the 21st of April, 1831. And it was actually the last public execution in, in Bremen. So she was decapitated. Um, and apparently all the people who went to watch it felt very ill for days afterwards. Um they actually made a death mask of her face, which you can see pictures of, and I'll obviously share that on Instagram. Um, and it was made to study the facial patterns of criminal women, and which was a part of the field of phrenology, which is now got rid of, which is basically looking at the face and the shape of the brain from the outside to work out if that has anything to do with you being a criminal. Oh, okay, yeah, very reliable. <laughs> yeah, really reliable, and um, probably why it's you know not used anymore as a diagnostic thing. <laughs> yeah. um, more more psychological profiling. Now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so a stone was put on the pavement in the square where she was um, decapitated, and um, it's actually now called the spitting stone and people still go to this day to this stone in bremen and spit on it to show their disgust for her actions for what she did to her family okay so this is obviously a bit of a crazy story um, and it's been turned into shows and films and bits of artworks and things like that and it's been really long debated why she committed these crimes you know they, they spent a long time analyzing her in prison looking at her head shape to see if I could work <laughs> it out um but I think the most current up-to-date thinking and, and looking at it with our kind of 20th century eyes is that that emotional deprivation that she really got as a child yeah um left her just desperate for attention desperate for um wanting people to notice her and pay attention to her and it really points to what we would now call today something like Munchausen by proxy um, something that is actually really quite common in female serial killers so if women tend to become serial killers they they tend to use this as some sort of thing so this is where a caregiver often a mother creates the appearance of health problems in another person um generally their child or somebody very close to them that they can either nurse to make them better and get the attention for oh isn't she going through such an awful thing and um, let's let's support her while she supports his family or then if they die to get the attention and the the love of the people around her but it's a really strange one because there's no real benefit to the caregiver <laughs> um and apart from you know a little flurry of interest for a little bit of time but then life moves on so then you have to keep doing it like like Gesha did um but then obviously permanent injury or death can occur to the child or the loved ones as a result of this yeah um I think, you know, it is obviously a, a mentally diagnosed condition, um, but it wasn't actually recognised as a diagnosis until 2013 in America, which seems oh, okay. like really recent. <laughs> um, I guess the really famous one is um, the story of Gypsy Rose yeah. Blanchard. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. was um, kind of kept by her mum and then she actually murdered her mum yep. um, to kind of get away from it. So I've only just recently watched that one. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really crazy story. Um, Actually, yeah. she got away with it, didn't she? It was the boyfriend that she got to kill the mother. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but she's still in prison, isn't she, I think? Yeah, she only had... Well, I think she got a few years, whereas the, I think the boyfriend's in for life. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, the primary motive of it is to get attention. Um, and that is exactly what Gesha got. She got lots yeah. of attention. Um, first of all, very good attention for people who just could not believe her awful, awful look. 
Um, and then by <laughs> the police when they realised what she was doing. And still now she's getting a lot of attention from people who pass through Bremen and spit on that stone to show you <laughs> yes. how, how shocked they are by her awful actions. Perhaps not the attention she would have liked if she had aspirations of being in the theatre and on yeah. stage and things. Absolutely. So but if she had that, as I say, aspiration to become famous, then yeah. Yep, and she did. So she She's did still known today. And um, her the house that she um, grew up in is now a restaurant in Bremen that you, you could, oh. pre-COVID, <laughs> um, go to and eat at. I don't know if you still can. I don't know if it's open because of COVID. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can go to the house and, and see where she lived. Um, and, and, and his mouse butter on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it may be. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably not in the way that we would uh, look at it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, arsenic's a fascinating, yeah, it is. chemical really. There, um, there was a program on BBC Sounds uh-huh. called The Elements. It was a series of programs broadcast on BBC World Service. Okay, I don't know how long ago. It might because some sounds they could be quite old programs, but mm. I think that might be quite recent. They're actually a business program, and they're looking at different metallic element different elements in the um periodic table oh, okay just understand their sort of history and their influence on on business there's one about gold there's one about iron there's, and there's actually one about arsenic oh, no way. uh yeah and how That's it's cool. used um because it's a it's a great preservative arsenic uh, okay and sense. i think bodies that have been or people that have been poisoned by arsenic their bodies uh, tend to be preserved quite well. I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I read a thing that said that um, it's used quite a lot. It was used quite a lot in medicines. And George the Third, who you know went insane when yeah. they've tested his hair since, yeah. um, they found loads of traces of arsenic in his hair, thinking that actually that probably had something to do with his yeah. because you need quite a lot of it i think to kill you it needs to be quite a strong dose of it um because you can recover from it there's treatment for it and um it's not like something that you have a tiny bit of and then you die straight away no, um you I have to be uh, you have to be exposed to it. yeah you have to be exposed yeah. to it for quite a long time in quite big quantities so the amount that she was you know giving to these people <laughs> must have been quite a lot and it would have been a really horrible awful death for these people Go in, you know, in a lot yeah. of pain, a lot of sickness, and I mean, sickness is yeah. the worst, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, not a nice way to go. No, no. absolutely not. So, yeah, pretty. If, if, if pretty pretty ars- arsenic itself, the actual element of arsenic itself, isn't poisonous. It's the it's an oxide of arsenic. That oh, is that's actually interesting. The, it's actually the poison. That's what I learned listening to that program. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and in India, they use it to preserve tree well wood oh okay um that they use for like telegraph poles right like okay that. and of That's course it's caused all sorts of controversy uh yeah. because really they shouldn't be having arsenic just out there in the <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because you can in breathe the world. In the air, can't you? As well. Probably, so yeah. You can and um a, a lot of arsenic poisoning today is found in like water. Yeah. Um from like groundwater and stuff like that where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. And and you're right, I thought I, they used it for like makeup, but I think something we probably learned from going to the Black Country Museum didn't they use arsenic in like whitewash. When that rings a bell, um, yeah. There's something about using 
arsenic in whitewash to you know when they paint the walls and things that sounds like so, it rings a bell yeah but i think uh, as you say with modern science and forensics and everything and, and a more of a lockdown on the distribution of poisons <laughs> it's not yeah. so easy to get a hold of now no not so much no but i i guess people still get poisoned by um rat poison and stuff like that yeah. i watched um no i listened to a date line podcast i think it was the other day um about this woman who was convicted of the murder of her husband by poisoning him with um some sort of poison from like rodent poison or something like that okay um that you can hide that she hid in iced tea because you couldn't right, okay. taste it <laughs> um so yeah this it can't have tasted much if she was able to just kind of mix it in with a bit of um lard and yeah. <laughs> that was it so yeah but butter or lard or animal fat laced with arsenic on a fruit salad is I know, a, it's a weird, weird isn't it? combination. I mean, you might be able to get away with it if it was in some sort of hot yeah. dish or meaty maybe, type maybe thing. Maybe she but, slipped yeah. and just put some, some of just the actual <laughs> arsenic on it and she skipped the butter, just put maybe. the mouse in. <laughs> but I think it was called mouse butter because it was like what they used to put down to kill the to, mice. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah. which I think we've got a mouse in our garage. Well, I know we've got a we've always had mice in the garage. Oh, no. Luckily, it's the other end of the garden. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I hope we don't get any rodents here this year. Yeah, I'm sure you won't. No, fingers crossed. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So that is the story of Gesha Gottfried. No, really interesting. Knee, um, Mittelbaum, knee, Mittenberg, knee. Tim. <laughs> yeah. Sometime twin sister of Johan. Yeah. Sometime daughter of Johan and Gesha. Sometime wife of... of yeah of Johan. <laughs> <laughs> and mother of Johanna and uh Adel Adelheid. Why does she kill her children? I suppose that was the Munchausen bit. I think maybe. so, yeah. And just the attention. And I think maybe they were getting in the way of her living her new life of finding somebody new to marry and kill wow yeah okay so yeah pretty pretty awful lady really <laughs> um and pretty impressive that she managed to hide it from people for such a long time yeah definitely and then yeah she became the last person to be beheaded in bremen which uh, was quite early it seems actually to be mm, you know compared one. to when the last one in france was like 1960 something did you say the, the last public one was 1930 something yeah. is it there's like a good it was actually years a bit of this, there's there? actually a bit of film of that um, oh yeah wants to see that part of me really doesn't want to see that <laughs> <laughs> we watched um an episode of i am a killer last night which i love if any listeners haven't listened, watched I'm a Killer on Netflix, it's fantastic. It's one of my favourite true crime things because I love okay. how it just tells both sides of the story really, yeah. really well. Um, and they've had a couple with women on and this woman who we watched last night um, murdered her husband and she got her children to help her dig a hole in the garden and wrap his body up and put it out there. <laughs> like, she got her children to help her. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> She's still yeah. in prison. No. <laughs> we just finished watching How to Get Away with Murder, all 90 episodes okay. of it on Netflix. That's cool. 
I was thinking, oh God, I, I was... Fictional, obviously. Yeah. I was thinking when I was, like, searching for arsenic and stuff earlier, I was like, oh, my God, I hope this <laughs> happens to, like, Richard. I was, <laughs> when I wanted to find out a bit more about that TV series, I, yeah. was, I was putting in how to get away with murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <In> Google. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, yeah. yeah, no, that would... Uh... Just to find out who the cast were and all that. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what came up when you searched that. That's probably why they called it that, so that you had to Google it. So <laughs> it could be, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, yeah, Richard doesn't disappear suddenly and they go through my search history and it's like arsenic poisoning with arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. So, yeah. Good yeah. times. No, you couldn't get away with arsenic poisoning now, I don't think so. I don't either. think so, no. But um, fascinating and, yeah, it was so easy in those days to get away with it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that you know, we kind of keep coming back to. Obviously, murders still happen now and serial killers still exist, but not maybe not quite as much as they used to. But I think it's down to technology, isn't it? And, you know, CCTV yeah. and DNA profiling and cell phones and all of that stuff. It's so much easier yep. to catch people now than it kind of ever has been. Yep. If you're going to commit a murder, don't take, don't take your phone. Your phone. <laughs> Don't do something that's traceable. <laughs> yeah, like use a credit card or debit card. Or... Yeah, or, or their debit card or credit card. or yeah. <laughs> don't go past any CCTV cameras. No. In America, don't cross state lines because then it becomes a real issue if they catch you. Obviously, it would be quite a bad thing if you got caught for murder, but don't cross yeah. state lines. <laughs> All this knowledge that we have. <laughs> So we were talking about like putting a new patio in. I was like, it feels like when we talk about putting a new patio down, like, is there going to be somebody underneath it? Don't know what you might dig up. I know, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, sweetheart. Anyway, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Telling me about Gresha. No, you are welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Um, Good. Good, and uh, I say it's quite light-hearted one, but well, um, I suppose time kind of has diluted as... it a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's not always not fascinating. Really, yeah, yes. really interesting, but not so much kind of blood and gore, like no stabbings or slashings or people wearing other people's skin as skin, but oh, no. still pretty horrific <laughs> what she did to her entire family. Yeah, she did get executed. They should have yeah. poisoned her. I know. Yeah, yeah, slowly, just, just <laughs> really slowly arsenic. with arsenic. Yeah, on with mouse butter. <laughs> there we go well thank you i hope you enjoyed that and thank you everyone who's listened and yep. listening and um you can see some pictures on our instagram which is dad and daughter do death or one word um and if you have any comments or suggestions please do get in touch with us and tell us uh, we appreciate you listening thank you yes thank you very much and uh, I will catch you next week for more death. Yep, yep. When I hopefully will have a, a suitably gory or macabre story to tell you. Excellent. I'm excited already. <laughs> so join us again next week when once again, Dad and daughter do death.